Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the In Conversation podcast, a joint production of Oxford University Press and the New Books Network. I'm Mark Clovis, and today I'm speaking with Tracy Levecki, co-author with Lisa Morton of the book Healing Hearts and Minds, a holistic approach to coping well with congenital heart disease. Tracy, welcome to the New Books Network. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Well, thanks for agreeing to be on our show. Of course. I was wondering if you could start us off by telling our listeners something about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so I am a social worker, clinical social worker, um, and uh, I also am um, somebody who is born with a congenital heart condition. Um, I'm working in private practice now, um, seeing primarily people who are coping with chronic health conditions, and I have a special interest working with cardiac patients. And uh, what you described about having a uh, congenital heart condition of your own, that is true for your co-author as well, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, Lisa, um, who is actually based in the U- in the UK, I am in the US. Um, so this is really an international project that we came together on. But she also is, she's a mental health provider. She's a psychologist. And she was also born with a CHC. What led the two of you to write a book? How did this project get off the ground? And uh, what was your goal in writing it? Well, the funny thing is, Mark, we've never actually met in person yet. (laughs) I know, I know. People think it's crazy. They said, how can you, you know, come up with such a huge project together and have never met? So, you know, we both have been advocating for mental health support and resources for years um, for folks with congenital heart conditions. And um, I was giving a talk on body image years ago. I came across one of her projects and I contacted her and asked her if I could use some of her slides. And ever since, we just occasionally would have coffee together, you know, virtually, of course. (laughs) And one day, you know, I let her know that I was working on um, an outline for a book and she said, you know what, so am I. And we uh, exchanged outlines and they were almost identical. Wow. So we decided to work together and it's it's turned out pretty well. We're both very proud of the book. And, you know, one thing that I really feel strongly about, this is the book that I have always been looking for, but could never find. And Lisa felt the same way. I remember being a young 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old, looking through libraries and bookstores for any kind of resources to support, um, you know, to validate what I had been going through as someone with a congenital heart condition. And there was nothing out there. All of the self-help books for cardiac patients were really geared towards older adults, older men in need of lifestyle changes or, you know, bringing their cholesterol down. Um, and really, you know, didn't address somebody who grew up as a child with a heart condition. So, you know, that's that kind of was always in the back of my mind. And we finally got it off the ground together. It really is. For me, it was an incredibly uh, educational book. And you and it uh, you begin by talking about what congenital heart conditions are. And I was wondering if you could perhaps explain a bit about that, because that was part of my education, which was something that it was like so many things. It was something that I, I had a, a vague awareness of, but I didn't understand a great deal about it. Could, could you explain kind of the, the the history of it and what distinguishes a congenital heart condition from congenital heart disease? Absolutely. 
So congenital heart conditions, it's a, or people know it as CHD or congenital heart disease. It's the number one birth defect in the world. Um, and public awareness isn't so great. You're not the only one to say that you really don't know a lot about it. Um, it happens to be the leading cause of birth-related deaths. There are 12 million people worldwide with a CHD. 2.4 million of them are living in the U.S., um, and there are a lot of, there's a big variety. It's a very heterogeneous group, um, you know, of different types of um, diagnoses, prognoses, and severity. Um, so, you know, what, what um, my condition looks like is very different than what Lisa's condition looks like. Um, believe it or not, congenital heart disease is 50 times more common than childhood cancer. But again, the public awareness is pretty poor around it. Um, uh, it's, incur it's incurable. Um, people born with a CHD require lifelong specialized care. And that doesn't always happen for a variety of reasons. The Adult Congenital Heart um, Association, which I'm a mental health provider for, estimates that only 10% of us are in specialized care here in the U.S., um, and that's concerning. That means that there are 90% of this, you know, 2.4 million folks in the country that are not in the right type of care. Um, so to answer your question about what the difference is between CHD and, um, let's C say, um, CAD or, you know, uh, coronary artery disease, um, is basically, you know, that with congenital heart patients, we're, we're basically born with this condition. This is a condition that is developed in utero before we're even born. Um, you know, for people with coronary artery disease, that is something that is acquired or that develops slowly over time and is oftentimes associated with, um, you know, levels of cholesterol, lifestyle, uh, diet, smoking, um, and, um, you know, oftentimes people will think about, you know, older adults, but with CHD or congenital heart disease, you know, there are, are children that are going in and out of surgery and that have this condition for life, which is very different than coronary artery disease. And yet, as you were describing in it, you know, as you just mentioned, a lot of people go undiagnosed. And, and, and I think that to me, that, that made me think about how something like this, it, I mean, it's not a uh, disease that is crippling. It's, it's not a disease that is uh, necessarily uh, inhibiting. And, and it gets to just the wide range of, of people that you describe, the population of people with, with uh, congenital heart conditions and how... Uh, you know, they can, you know, live these these very uh, full lives, albeit ones that, as you also explain, you know, in which a lot of uh, uh, symptoms show themselves, in which a lot of, uh, uh, in which the disease does have an impact upon their lives. Uh, so if you perhaps elaborate a bit upon that, I mean, what, what are some of the signs that, that, that someone might have congenital heart uh, disease or uh, might, uh, or either uh, that, that we might, you know, recognize or that might be uh, say unknown and and that and that might lead to a diagnosis. Sure, sure. Well, um, many people are diagnosed at birth. So within you know 
a day or two, um, you know, that diagnosis can happen just based on um, a number of different um, things that, you know, the physician may observe. Um, sometimes uh, people grow up not knowing about their condition and may present with different symptoms. Again, it all depends on what the diagnosis is. Um, some people will go in maybe later in life with some shortness of breath, or maybe they're just um, being worked up for another um, type of condition and they have an echocardiogram and they, they're diagnosed as an adult. So, But generally speaking, I think the majority are diagnosed as, as infants or as children. Um, and again, you know, it really varies. The diagnoses vary in terms of severity. Um, not everybody um, has a debilitating diagnosis, but some do. You know, um, many people are um, in need of transplants, even as children, heart transplants. Um, you know, um, I know for me growing up, you know, a lot of people meet me and you're not going to see all of my physical scars per se, unless, of course, I'm at the beach. But, um, you know, most people don't realize that I've had, you know, many uh, surgeries, cardiac surgeries. I, I don't even know how many at this point, quite frankly, I've had so many. So it's almost like a hidden population, you know, because you'll meet me and you'll think, oh, she looks, she looks okay. But yet, you know, I do have symptoms. Um, you know, I am, I am on medication um, and I will need future surgeries. Many folks with congenital heart conditions need to have, um, you know, future surgeries. And a lot of their symptoms are, come on very unexpectedly um, and repeatedly. So, you know, that can really um, be very traumatic for people. And a lot of your book is about how it is that people can cope with that, how people deal with it. As you, you know, as you've demonstrated and you described, people are living with this condition, they're living very full lives, but there are challenges that come with living with congenital heart disease. And you explained how it is that people can best cope with them. I was wondering if you could perhaps talk a bit of in, in a bit more detail about some of the, the challenges that you write about in, in, in the book and, and uh, exactly, uh, you know, in what ways do they, uh, you know, complicate the the ability to, uh, you know, to live with, with congenital heart disease? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I think that, um, you know, because medical technology took off um, in the mid middle of the 20th century so fast, you know, treatment has really, um, been very survival focused, right? So many of us have survived when people didn't think we would survive. Some of us have even outlived our physicians. Um, so really the focus on mental health and you know the psychological and emotional challenges really is just starting now. Um, so, you know, some of the challenges, you know, there are, are, are many people that are in and out of the hospital as young children. Um, you know, back when I was treated back in the, the late 60s, early 70s and, and 80s, you know, um, you know, I was separated from my primary, primary caregiver. Visiting hours weren't always what they are today, um, you know, because Lisa and I are both pioneering patients. So I'm one of the oldest people to have ever had the type of surgery I had. It was only invented in the mid 60s and I was born in 1967. So, you know, that that really makes me a pioneering patient. And so many um, patients and patients born today, you know, are in and out of the hospital needing to have invasive surgeries and procedures and hospitalized long-term, which can be very traumatic. 
You know, there's often scarring that is associated with having congenital heart disease. And, you know, kids aren't always the nicest. You know, a lot of kids are, you know, they grow up feeling um, feeling very different from their peers because none of their peers really can relate to the experience of being hospitalized um, repeatedly. Um, and again, not everybody is, but oftentimes that is the case. Um, you know, some have gone through bullying, episodes of bullying, and again, feeling different. And that can really impact somebody's mental health and sense of confidence and socialization as well. Um, you know, so, and, and as, you know, as we grew up, I know for me, when I was 12 years old, um, I was told I needed a pacemaker. You know, so I didn't know any other child or teenager or young adult that had gone through that. So it can be a very isolating experience as well. And, you know, again, not really having a lot of people focused on my mental health and my emotional um, perspective on going through this. You know, I was, you know, often messaged, it was all, you know, well-meaning, but message, you know, be brave, you know, you, you need to go through this, it could be worse, um, you know, let's just get through it and, you know, chin up. And, you know, again, I wasn't really encouraged as many, many individual aren't encouraged to really talk about what that means to be feeling so different, to be feeling, um, you know, uh, you know, scared. Um, you know, afraid, you know, what 12 year old really has to think about life and death. You know, mm -hmm. that's not a very common, um, usual life circumstance. And one of the messages that we wanted to give our readers in the book is that a lot of the feelings and emotions that come with having a congenital heart condition are very normal. You know, just because you're feeling scared and just because you might have a low mood, it doesn't mean necessarily that that's a diagnosis or a disorder. You know, I think it's a very normal reaction to a very unusual life circumstance. So we wanted to get that message out there to our readers. Um, and we also, of course, in the book go through when you need to, you know, then maybe ask for more help um, or get some professional help. But generally speaking, you know, we do kind of uh, illustrate the difference between between the two. And I'm thinking about how that focus reflects the ways in which we think about health nowadays. It, you, what you described, it, it was at a day where we tend to think of physical care as something that was maybe more in, in isolation. And yet, as you demonstrate in this book, that it's that you know there is very much of a tie between uh, you know mental care, emotional care, and that physical care. I'm thinking in particular about the concept of stress, which you know as we know nowadays is something as we appreciate nowadays is something that can definitely strain one's heart create all sorts of of uh, cardiovascular complications and yet to simply assume that we can somehow treat the stress of coping with congenital heart conditions from as as as, as separate from the the treatment of, of the condition itself is uh is, is ridiculous that that we have to think of them in terms of having an approach that's effective absolutely and um you know, as someone that was going through all of these medical procedures, I was always um, very surprised that no one really addressed that with me um, growing up. And um, I remember, 
not even really having the language for it as a teenager and thinking, why isn't anyone talking to me? I've been had three surgeries in one year, you know, between the age of 12 and 13. But again, I didn't really have the language for that because they are so connected. I mean, research shows that if somebody, let's say, has um, depression or clinical depression, they are doubling their chances of having a cardiovascular um, episode. Um, so that's why I think it's so important to bring awareness to this, awareness to the importance of addressing this, awareness to the need for incorporating mental health providers into the specialized team um, of physicians. And really in the book, we do talk a lot about um, not only managing low mood, but also managing stress and anxiety. Um, we talk about proactively working towards reducing our baseline stress or where we, we, what we're feeling every day, basically, and taking care of ourselves and really trying to, um, you know, be aware of, of good, good habits like sleep and hydration and, and eating and, you know, nutritious, nutritious meals and really trying to be aware and be mindful of how you're feeling, um, you know, from a stress perspective, because that's really going to help physically. Um, and, you know, not only do we talk about that, but we also um, outline some, some strategies and they're all, you know, evidence-based strategies uh, for managing stress, managing low mood, um, which I think is really important for folks to have. That's something that I thought was one of the greatest strengths of your book was the strategies you detail for coping with your feelings, coping with stre the, the stresses that, uh, you know, having congenital heart conditions impose. And you also talk about, you know, the, the emotional side of it as well, in terms of the importance of relationships and, and yet this, the chapter that, that, that struck me the most and, 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 and was, is the eye, most eye-opening one was how you also emphasize the positive side of a congenital heart condition. That's something that, you know, it superficially might, might seem to be, uh, uh, uh almost, uh, you know, very strange to say that there's a positive side to having a, a congenital heart disease. And yet it was, you know, so eye-opening the ways in which you talk about how it, in, while well, well, a congenital heart condition may not be something that you want to have or want someone to have, it, that there are aspects of it that, that that can indeed make your life better. I was wondering if you could perhaps elaborate upon that a little bit and, and how that, is, that, that approach is an example of how people can adjust and cope with the stress of a congenital heart condition. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, there is a concept called post-traumatic growth, and that concept uh, is basically... Um, means that you look, if you've gone through um, any kind of adversity, trauma, chronic health condition, um, sometimes there are these hidden or unexpected gifts. Now, I don't know that everyone would say that there are positive features, but many do report um, that, you know, after coming out of such a traumatic event, um, you know, there's maybe um, a greater sense of personal strength, um, resilience, um, maybe having um, an ability to uh, handle what life throws at you, um, you know, after you've recovered from whatever the traumatic event was, um, really helps to maybe uh, prioritize um, what's important in life and um, know who in your life 
um, is there for you, right? Maybe it has helped deepen your relationships with the people in your life. Or um, I, you know, um, I know I remember feeling, wow, this friend was really there for me. You know, this person really stuck it out and was there when I needed them. And that certainly deepened the relationship with that individual. Um, and now I know, you know, when life throws stressful events at me, when I'm arguing with my teenage daughter or <laughs> thinking about, you know, financial pressure, I remind myself that this is this is really nothing compared to what I've been through with my health, you know, and in a way, I know this sounds really strange, but in a way, I'm really grateful for these quote unquote normal everyday problems. Now, this is a book that I mean, I, I ideally everyone with congenital heart conditions can benefit from, but it's also a book that those who have people with congenital heart conditions in their lives can benefit from, uh, care providers, family members. I was wondering if you could explain what it is you're hoping that that people uh, who themselves may not have congenital heart conditions, but who know of people who do and who want to learn more about them can benefit from reading this. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we have a whole chapter for um, loved ones and um, uh, health healthcare providers. And I'll tell you, Mark, I'm guessing that just about everyone that's listening to this probably knows someone with a congenital heart condition um, because one out of 100 babies are born with uh, CHD. So, you know, we do speak to the loved ones and we really want people to maybe get a sense of educating yourself about your loved one's condition. And one message that I'm always advocating you know, for folks is don't define yourself based on your CHD. So as a loved one, encourage your loved ones to look at other aspects of their life. What else, you know, what, what other types of, um, you know, what's their personality and what are their, their other strengths in life and encourage them to build upon those. For parents, I would encourage them to really encourage independence in their children. Um, I have a lot of people in my practice that come to me that really um, weren't encouraged um, to be become more dependent and were very, very overprotected. And now it's very difficult for them as adults to separate and to um, manage their own health care and manage their own life. So, you know, we do talk a lot about that, um, you know, looking past a person's CHD, um, and, um, you know, being there for them, just being there, sitting with them, knowing you can't fix the problem, but just, you know, offering to sit with them and help them get support if they needed additional support, um, you know, would be great. And I think as caregivers, it's also really important to take care of yourself and to remember that, you know, especially if you're the primary caregiver and your loved one is very sick, knowing that, um, you know, you can't help them unless you help yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a lifeguard and your arm is broken, you can't jump in and save someone. So I always let caregivers know, and I do work with a lot of caregivers, that they need to ask for help if they need it, right? You can't be everything to your loved one. You, you need to ask for help and maybe even help your loved one create a team, a support team, Um that you both can call upon if needed. Excellent advice, not just for uh, people with members of with heart condition, heart condition in their lives, but really, you know, any uh, congenital condition. 
Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people have actually said to me that a lot of our different chapters um, could be helpful for other chronic illnesses, other chronic medical conditions. So um, I, I love to hear that because um, I agree. I think, again, a lot of our strategies um, and advice for not only family members and loved ones, but also for uh, medical providers. You know, we do talk um, about a concept called psychologically informed medicine. Um, and we encourage physicians to really um, learn a little bit more about that. It's a really sophisticated way of communicating with your patients. And it really does help them to feel psychologically safe. And feeling psychologically safe really helps them to reduce any type of, um, you know, the chances of any type of mental health um, you know, aspects later on. And one thing I don't know if I mentioned is that um, a lot of the research is now showing that up to 50% of folks with a CHD have a lifetime prevalence of developing depression, anxiety, or PTSD. And that is more than double the general population. So physicians really can play a role in helping to reduce that by again, you know, educating themselves about this concept of psychologically informed medicine and advocating for mental health providers to be embedded into their treatment team. Um, definitely, um, you know, maybe even organizing sensitivity training to your staff, you know, not only the physicians and healthcare providers, but also the people that screen on the telephone, people who are um, arranging to, um, uh, you know, schedule patients uh, for appointments and people that greet us as patients at the door when we arrive, right? Just, just having that warm, compassionate type of um, response really helps because many of us have been through the ringer when going to the doctor. So there's a lot of anxiety involved in showing up at, at you know, at the office. Mm -hmm. So I think the more that they can do to allay um, those fears and again, to help make folks feel more psychologically safe, the better. Excellent advice all. Well, Tracy, thank you very much for taking some time out of your schedule to speak with us. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for having me.